Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. That's worth coming to church for right there. Amen. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of John. We continue our series of messages in the book of John, and uh, we are just still in the first chapter. We John chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse 43. Our title of our series is Following, or Following in the Footsteps of Jesus, and we've come a long ways. We've come from the uh, Jesus there in creation as he stepped out on nothing and created everything. We see him as light there on the first day. And, uh, and then in the New Testament, he says that he is the light of the world. John the Baptist said, I am not the light. I have sent, been sent to bear record of the light, that all men through him might believe. And, and so he is the light. Then he's called here in the first book of John, uh, first chapter of John, the Son of God. We see that in verse 18, and he indeed is the Son of God, and therefore God the Son. I just want to remind you, Timothy says, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Understand that Jesus Christ was God with skin on. He is the incarnate one. He is the incarnate one. It's the Son of God. Then we see, again, John the Baptist declaring that as he looked and saw Jesus, physically saw Jesus, he said, behold the Lamb of God. And so we see Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. And then we see the previous uh, verses as we're studying this morning, they call, he, he is called the Messiah. Come see the Messiah. Come see the Christ. Christ, the term means, the name means Messiah. Come see the one that has been prophesied in the Old Testament. And uh, so indeed we see Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Here today we find Philip. So let's look here with me, verse 43. Last Sunday, by the way, we preached on this verse 43 by itself. When Jesus says, follow me. So the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. Now Philip was a Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip saith unto him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him. He saith unto him, saith of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. And Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. And Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. We're going to stop there because the next two verses I want to preach next Sunday, Lord willing. And uh, a great um, reference to an Old Testament story. So we'll save that one for next Sunday, Lord willing. All right, let's pray. Again, Lord, we come to you thanking you for your word. And I pray this morning as we look at the life of your son that again we would see uh, things there that we can apply to our own life. And Lord, may we see again you as king of Israel. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We see again in verse 43, as we studied last Sunday, 
that Jesus Christ calls Philip. And it says there that he sought him. In other words, they were in uh, Judah, they were in Judea, and they were getting ready to leave Judea and go to the province of Galilee. So again, remember there are three provinces of Israel at the time. There's Galilee, Samaria, and Judea, right? So Judea was the southern province. Samaria is the middle province. You know, Judah's like Texas. Samaria is like Oklahoma. And they kind of treated Samaria like we treat Oklahoma. I know there's some Oklahomians in here. My family's from Oklahoma. And then the state of Kansas, you know, it was Galilee. And and so uh, Jesus, (laughs) there's more that I could say, but I'm not going to. They... So Jesus was about to leave Judea to go to Galilee. And I'm pointing this way because they would always go over to the valley of the Jordan River. And they would travel through the Jordan Valley up to the other provinces. They would not go through Samaria. And uh, two things, I'm going to stop and say, two things, the reason why they didn't go through Samaria, two things. One is because it was, there was prejudice there. Uh, Samaria was full of uh, Gentiles. And uh, those who were half Jew, half Gentile. And so there was prejudice there. But that's not the primary reason. The primary reason why they didn't go through Samaria is because it is just terribly rocky and hilly and mountainous. And it's just a tough way to go. It's easier to go and go through the Jordan Valley and go up and around. And so that's what Jesus was about to do. He was leaving Judea to go to Galilee. Before he left, before he left, it says, he said, I would go forth to Galilee, I and findeth. Philip. Look at verse 43. And findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. So it wasn't like he just stumbled over Philip. He's about to leave and go out of town. Go back to his home, you know, go back to his home province. But he finds Philip first. He seeks him out. I'm thankful Jesus sought him out. It teaches us a lot about Jesus that, again, that he sought him. He, 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 He sought one person. Jesus the God of the universe sought one person. I'm, I'm just buff. Anyway, it's amazing. It's an amazing thought. I'm, I'm glad Jesus seeks us out. By the way, he seeks all men out. And then he spoke to him, follow me. So not only does God speak to us, not only does God seek us, but he speaks to us. I'm thankful again that Jesus Christ sought him and spoke to him. Now this speaking to him, or it was a call to Philip to accept him as Messiah. I think we need to understand that primarily the apostles who became the apostles, these disciples, had already heard John the Baptist preach. Even, even we're fixing to talk about Nathaniel. Nathaniel had heard messages from John the Baptist. And so these men were familiar with, with the message and what was going on. And so here Jesus approaches Philip and says, Do you believe? I know it's not there, but it's inferred. Do you believe that I'm the Messiah? And apparently he did. He followed him. He followed him. And we'll see more about his his convictions here in just a moment. It was a call to Messiahship. Do you believe I'm a Messiah? It was a call to obedience. He said, follow me. And then it was a call to fellowship. If you're following somebody, you're near to them. You're close to them. And may I say the same applies to us. There's a call today to do you believe he's the messiah we're going to say that here in just a moment again do do you as a christian if you're saved this morning then we are called to be obedient to him jesus says if you love me you'll keep my commandments 
If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you really love the Lord, you'll keep his commandments. You'll, you'll do what he asks. One of the things, when we're in church like this and we hear the word of God spoken, we hear the, we hear the word of God preached, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you ought to obey. We ought to be obedient to the call. And then a call to fellowship. We ought to have a daily walk with Jesus. And by that I mean you ought to have a devotional time, a Bible reading time, and, and as you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, as you follow and close to Him. And He desires that. He wants more than just your, uh, your belief. He wants your fellowship. He wants more than just your obedience. He wants your fellowship. And so we ought to follow Him. And then this morning we see that He, again, He findeth Philip, or he, he, he finds Philip's, and Philip begins to follow him. And then in verse 44 it says, Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. That's put in there just to remind us that, uh, that Peter and Andrew, who were in the previous verses, have followed Jesus, that they all knew each other. All right? So it kind of helps you know what's going on. And Philip findeth, verse 45, And Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him. So here we see Philip sharing his faith. Philip sharing his faith. Now we know in the previous verses that Andrew shared his faith with Peter. And, that, and then we see Jesus approaching Philip. And now we have Philip approaching Nathaniel and sharing his faith. And sharing his faith. Can I remind you as a Christian that we ought to share our faith? I mean, our, our purpose in life is to glorify God and to fellowship with him. And the way in which we glorify God as Christians is to share our faith with others. The Bible says that we ought to do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. The greatest good you can do for someone. And yes, we ought to look out for our neighbor. We ought to look out for our neighbor and we ought to be kind and do those things. But the greatest good we can do for someone is to give them and share them our, our, our faith. Amen. To tell them the good news. Man, there's a lot of bad news out there today. There's a lot of, a lot of terrible news out there today. But we have the greatest news on earth. We have the good news, the gospel. The, the word gospel means the good news. And we ought to share our faith. We ought to share the good news to those around us. The greatest good that you can do for someone else is to share your faith with them. And here we find Philip, whom the Lord sought, and Philip, who put his faith in the Lord and followed him. Now we find Philip sharing his faith with Nathaniel. With Nathaniel. Again, as Christians... We ought to share our faith. Jesus Christ left us the commandment that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus Christ left us the commandment that we should, that we should go into Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That we are to share our faith, not only with our neighbor, but with our city, with our state, with our country, and all of the world. Amen. And we, we had a missionary a couple of weeks ago just reminding our church again over and over and over again that the primary purpose of the church is to spread the gospel. The primary purpose of the church is to baptize converts. The primary purpose of the church is to disciple people. And so that is our threefold commission, our threefold command from Jesus Christ himself is to evangelize the world, to baptize them, and to teach if a church is not fulfilling the Great Commission, if a church is not fulfilling those three, that threefold commission, then by definition, it's not even a church. A church, the definition of the word church in the Greek is a called out assembly. And then he said, my church is a called out assembly of born again baptized believers, fulfilling the Great Commission. 
And we as a church need to be reminded over and over again that we ought to share our faith. Are you sharing your faith? Are you sharing your faith with others? Do you, do you share your faith with your co-workers? Do you share your faith with your neighbor and with, with your family? We ought to share our faith. And so Philip shared his faith. And then he goes on to say, oh, by the way, we ought to be missionaries every day. Be a missionary every day. Okay. Tell the world that Jesus is the way. All right. It's an old song anyway. Anybody know that one? Oh, good. Some of you know it. Good. All right. Be a missionary. Tell others of your faith. And he goes on to say that uh, we have found him, him whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. In other words, we have found the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. I want to say, put it this way, we found, we found, we, we have the proof. Jesus Christ, the one born of, of Mary and Joseph, is indeed the Messiah is the Messiah, the, the one prophesied in the Old Testament who was to be born of a virgin. The one prophesied in the Old Testament to be born in Bethlehem. The one prophesied in the Old Testament to be born one son of David. In other words, in the lineage of David, King David. We have found him. We have found the Messiah. We have found him. And then he says... And Nathanael said unto him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And so we've got to explain that one. I'm going to explain it this way. So Nazareth is in Galilee, the northern province, right? Uh, Nathanael is from Cana. So it's four or five miles from each other, these, these small towns. So in reading and doing the research, there was absolutely prejudice between the two towns. Two small towns that kind of had a, you know, ought with each other. They, you know, a little rivalry going on. And so there was issues. It's kind of like saying, uh, especially in football, where you have a rivalry in football, and so you down the other town, you down the other team. That's kind of what's going on. There was a rivalry there between these two cities. But more so than that, the, the province of Galilee, this northern province, was also... Uh, not well thought of by those from Judah. Now, Samaria was, was not thought of at all. In fact, they, they thought the Samaritans were no better than dogs, the middle province. But the northern province was also considered, you know, below uh, the, the province and those who were from uh, Judah. Um, it's kind of like sometimes, ooh, maybe I won't use those analogies. There's lots of ones. Like, sometimes we are looked down upon by those on the east and west coast as hillbillies. They can go ahead and, you know, believe what they want to believe. Uh, and, and our dialect is a little different, right? I speak Texan. I speak Texan. You know, hadn't done this in a while. You know, flyer. Flyer that you cook with. Flyer that you pick out of the garden. Flyer that you hand out to people. It's all the same word. Tire tire that's on your car, cell tire, right, water tire, it's all the same word. I mean, we have words like that, and maybe yours is not as pronounced as mine, but in, in Texas, and in, if you go even further to the east, a little more deep south, I mean, their dialect is even, 
even worse, right? All right. The point of this is I want to be a little funny, but also because the northern dialect was different than the southern dialect. And so you could readily tell if someone was from Galilee by their, by their dialect, by, by their accent. Uh, they spoke a little differently. And so that's, there was prejudice there because of that. There were prejudice there because of where you're from. And we all kind of have those, that's a small prejudice, wouldn't you agree? I mean, there are northerners in here. In fact, one time I had the people in our congregation raise their hand who were from the north and they outnumbered the people that were from the south. I'm not going to do that this morning because it scares me. <laughs> but that is a small prejudice, wouldn't you say? Right? All right. We, we, we would consider a big prejudice as one where, where we, we're prejudiced against someone else's color of their skin. That, that's humongous prejudice. That, that is, by the way, very unbiblical. I always like to point that out. I'm thankful the Bible says that we're all of one blood. That everybody's the same under the skin. That there are no races. There's only one race, the human race. There are different ethnicities. But they're all, we're all the, of the same race. Amen? Amen. And so we would consider that a big prejudice. So the point is that this was a small prejudice that Philip was referring to. Or, or that Nathaniel was referring to. Um, there was other issues there at deal. So when he says... How can any, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It's kind of, I don't want us to put down Nathaniel because Jesus in, in the next verse is going to say, look, here's one who's an Israelite indeed and who there's no guile. In other words, Jesus Christ, instead of pointing out some of Nathan's faults, faults which he could have done, he could pull out any of our faults, right? But instead he points out, this is a man whom is no guile, who's no trickery, whom there is no Jacob. This is a man who, who's a good man of character but he did have a prejudice may we may we be careful about the way we look at people in 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 reference to the way they talk or the way they dress i know that that may seem like a small thing per se but we we need to be careful i'm thankful god loves everybody that god is no respecter of persons the bible says and so we, we as Christians need to be very careful that someone who doesn't look exactly like us or talk like us, that we, that we don't, you know, incur or have a prejudice against them. I'm thankful Jesus didn't have a prejudice against Nathaniel or Jesus or vice versa. Amen? Man, we just always remember that, that we ought to love our neighbor as ourself and uh, be kind one to another, the Bible says. And so as he mentions this, then he again... He references, I love this statement. He says, what? Come and see. Come and see. He said, this is the, this is the one prophesied in the Old Testament. This is, the, this is the Messiah. We have found him. And we have found him. And, and then Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, there are rivals, man. There, there's something wrong with those people from that, from that little town. And then Nathaniel, or Philip says, come and see. When you think about that term, I think about the term Jesus said, come and dine. And there's other uh, ways. But I like one commentator said this. He said, um, if I find it here, that come and see is the great invitation of God's grace. The great invitation of God's grace. Come and see. All right. All right, Nathaniel. uh, you've, You've got a little prejudice here. 
Come and see. He, he, is the, he is the Messiah. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see what we found. We've, we find this over in, uh, Rome, uh, in John chapter 4 as well. A reference to the woman at the well. In John chapter 4 verse 29. And I'll, I'll read that verse real quick. It says, The woman at the well said this to the city after she had met Jesus. She said, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Is not this the Messiah? I'll reference that more here in just a moment and give you a, a better understanding of what's going on there. But again, we see Philip telling Nathaniel, come and see. I don't want to bypass this without saying you can also feel the conviction in, in Philip's voice, if you would. In other words... Philip believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Would you not agree? I mean, or else he would have dropped the subject and went on. Now he said, listen, this is the Messiah. Come and see. Come and see. If you want to be effective in your witness and sharing the gospel with someone, you must first off absolutely believe it yourself. Amen. Now, I'm not talking, about, not, not talking about just superficially. I'm not talking about just your head. I'm talking about absolutely believe what you're going to say to someone else. I've had people say this to me all the time. Preacher, I, I don't necessarily believe what you're saying, but I believe that you believe it. Preacher, I enjoyed the message and I, I, I don't necessarily agree or believe what, you, what you've said, but I believe that you believe it. You want to be an effective in your in your sharing of the gospel, then you absolutely need to be as Philip was here. You you better have a conviction, an absolute uh, in your soul that Jesus Christ is indeed the Messiah, that He is the Savior of the world, that He is the remedy for man's fallen condition, mankind's fallen condition, that He is He is absolutely absolute the remedy to all of mankind's problems. Well, you need to have that conviction. And Philip had that conviction in sharing his faith. Then we see Jesus speaks to Nathanael again concerning his faith. And again, because of the maybe doubt, we know that Jesus spent a little more time with Nathanael than he did with Peter in the previous verses. Peter's like, all right, Peter, upon you're, you're now called. Well, he didn't spend much time with Peter, but he does with Nathanael. He says in verse 47, Behold, an Israelite indeed to whom there is no guile. So here comes Nathanael up to Jesus. Jesus, as he looks at him before a word is ever spoken, Jesus says to Nathanael, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. So he speaks to Nathan's character, to Nathanael's character. His reference there, no guile, that word guile ought to be underlined in your Bible if it's not because it's really the, the key to this particular uh, phrase that Jesus is saying because it means Jacob. Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no Jacob. And it is an absolute, no doubt, reference to the Old Testament character Jacob in the book of Genesis. And so you, you, for us it's hard to understand, but when Jesus said that, Jacob would have heard, I mean, Nathaniel would have heard, what he would have heard is, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no Jacob. That's what he would have heard. It's what he would have understood. Make sense? He would have, he would have verbally heard the word guile, but in his mind, he knew the definition is Jacob. 
And he would have immediately gone back to Genesis and thought about Jacob, the patriarch, and whom there is no guile. Well, who was Jacob? And we're not going to take the whole time this morning, but Jacob was a trickster. Jacob tricked his brother out of his birthright. I mean, Jacob tricked his father-in-law. Jacob was tricking everybody. And so what Jesus is saying about Nathanael is, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no trickery. Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no supplanting, no trickery, no, no guile. So he's speaking highly of Nathanael's character. Um, as a reminder, how did Jacob, how did, how did uh, Jacob's trickery and how did Jacob's guile, um, how did that, how was that overcome in Jacob's life? Through trials. And you could do a little more study on this, but I have no doubt that Nathaniel probably had been through, 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 you know, through a few things. And God had worked a lot of that trickery out of, out of Nathaniel. And so no doubt when Jesus says this to Nathaniel, there's also reference there to Nathaniel's trials that he had gone through in order that he might overcome the trickery in his life. And you can study that out yourself, but it's definitely inferred here that Jesus is not just using the name Jacob just to use the name Jacob, but also that when he saw Nathanael under the tree by himself, that it was in reference to Nathanael praying about something and working through something. And Jesus is referring to that. We don't know exactly what all it was, but he's referring to more than just the name. Nathanael, one in whom there is no guile. Nathanael, whom had a lack of faith at the beginning here. Nathanael, who said that nothing good can come out of Nazareth. Nathanael. And then Nathanael says, Hey, how do you know me? Verse 48, look. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence, thou know, whence knowest thou me? How, how do you know me? In other words, how can you look at me and make a presumption upon my character? And then how did you know what I was thinking about? How did you know where I was at? How did you know? You know, all those things going uh, through his mind. And then he goes on to say, because I saw thee, I called thee when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathaniel, I know you. I saw you when you're under the fig tree before, before Philip ever approached you. I saw you. Can I remind you that Jesus Christ is all-knowing? He's all-knowing. Jesus Christ laid aside his glory when he came to earth, but he did not lay aside his deity. Jesus knew the very thoughts of all mankind when he was here on earth. He knew everything. He, he, saw, he saw Nathaniel under the fig tree. And though he wasn't there physically to see him, he saw him. He saw the, we think about the disciples on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus saw them rowing at, at, at night. I'm just saying Jesus Christ is all-knowing. He knows everything. He saw him. Can I remind you, you're never alone. If you're, if you're saved this morning, you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. He sees you this morning. He saw Nathaniel in his struggle. He saw Nathaniel in his trials. He saw Nathaniel in his solitude there under the tree. And whatever he was struggling with, whatever that may be, 
God saw him there. Jesus Christ saw him there and referenced it. Jesus Christ sees you. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He knows our longings. He knows knows everything about us. But it's not just that he knows us, but he's there to help us. There to encourage us and strengthen us. He said, (coughs) Behold an Israelite indeed whom there is no guile. He's there to encourage him. I tell you, he could have pointed out problems in Nathaniel's life. He could have pointed out um, negative characteristics in Nathaniel's life. But what did he do? Pointed out a good characteristic. He was encouraging Nathaniel. He, he was there to help Nathaniel. I'm, th- I'm thankful that God doesn't just look down and see the sorry sinner that I am. Amen. And only see that. I'm, I'm thankful he sees the good. I'm th- aren't you? Hey, man. Man, there's a lot of negative there. I'm thankful God sees me. I'm so thankful that God is there as I'm growing in the Lord. It's not just about the negative. As I'm growing in the Lord. Thankful for that. Encourages us. Nathaniel, I saw you under the tree. Nathaniel, I know you. I could just see Nathan's mind, the cogs turning. How do you know me? I saw you under the tree. Can I remind you that Jesus Christ knows you and loves you anyway? What a, what a, what a great grace that we have. Then we have Nathan's con, uh, his confession, and we'll be done. Nathan's confession. He says, verse 49, Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Thou art the Son of God. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there because we've already done that one over in verse 18, which references to him being the Son of God. But he indeed is the Son of God and God the Son. He is God in the flesh. And then Nathaniel says, the King of Israel. The King of Israel. Well, is he the King of Israel at this point? No. I mean, he's not literally the King of Israel. But we understand that Nathaniel's recognizing him as the long-awaited Messiah. The anointed one, the Christ, the anointed one. Again, anyone anointed in this Old Testament pretext is one who would become king. Everybody see that? King David was anointed. King Saul was anointed. Solomon was anointed by, you know, by the priests. And therefore, in that anointing, they become king. That, that's, that's part of that. And so here we see that Again, Nathaniel's recognizing Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the King of Israel. That he is indeed the long-awaited Messiah, the anointed one. Can I just ask you, do you believe Jesus Christ to be the Messiah? Do you believe that he is the anointed one, the Son of God, the King of Israel? More than that, do you put your faith in him as your only means of salvation? From God's wrath upon your sin. I mean, even the, the devils believe and know that he's Jesus, the Messiah. It's one thing to believe and know those things. It's another one to put your faith in him as your means of salvation. I know Abraham Lincoln lived. I can read about him. I know he lived. Mentally, I can assent to that. But it's one thing to mentally assent to and know that someone lived. It's another thing to recognize them as your Savior, to save you from your sins. In other words, salvation is found not only, in, not only in knowing that he is indeed the Messiah, 
but believing and trusting him that he lived a perfect life for 33 and a half years, that he died on the cross for you, for me, for our sins, that he was buried on the third day he rose from the dead. And believing that he is indeed the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, the one who came to take away our sins, that he, that, he, that he died and was buried and he rose again, that I can have eternal life. Do you believe that? Salvation is found in believing the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That if thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. I'm thankful God is not a respecter of persons. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon his name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm thankful again that he sought Philip and that he seeks all. I'm thankful that he spoke to Philip and he speaks to all. That he is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. I'm thankful this morning that I got saved when I was six. I know today if I was to die that heaven would be my home. I hope you know that as well greatest decision you will ever make is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Philip shared his faith with Nathaniel. And Nathaniel met the Master, met the Savior, and believed. Thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. As a Christian, do you share your faith? Do you share your faith? When's the last time you told somebody or shared your faith with somebody? When's the last time you handed somebody a track? When's the last time you shared your faith with someone? We ought to be sharing our faith every day. We ought to be telling somebody about the good news of salvation. Philip met the Messiah. <laughs> Philip met the Messiah. He had to tell Nathaniel, hey, I found him. I found him. I don't think he walked in and said, hey, uh, hey uh, Nathaniel, I found the Messiah. I don't think that's the way. I, I think he said... Hey, Nathaniel, look, I found the Messiah. And then Nathaniel's like, well, I know of him, and he's from Nazareth. He's Joseph's son. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip says, come and see, come and see, come and see. I can just see that. You can feel that in his voice. It wasn't just this like ho-hum. I mean, come and see. And then as he approaches the master, as he approaches the Messiah, the Messiah, Jesus says, behold, an Israelite. By the way, him preferring to him as an Israelite was a, a speaking of his character as well. Behold an Israelite indeed whom there is no guile. Here's a man of character. And the thing was like, you don't know me. And he said, I saw you under the tree before Philip ever even approached you. Uh, something different about this man. He knows everything. And by the way, the woman at the well attested to that. The woman at the well in John chapter 4 said, Come and see the man who told me everything about myself. And I'm telling you, come and see. Come and see. What an exciting declaration. The king of Israel. I remind you, one day he will physically rule and reign as king of kings and lord of lords. The next time he comes, he's not coming as the lamb of God. He's coming as the king of kings and lord of lords. And one day he'll split the eastern sky. One day he'll show up to Mount Olives. It'll split in two. He'll defeat all the enemies. Hundreds of millions of people who are, who are again, enemies and coming after him. All will be defeated in one word. And then he'll walk through the eastern gate there in Jerusalem. The eastern gate that the Muslims stopped up 
uh, with cement. That's not going to stop him from walking through that gate. He'll walk through that gate, and he will rule and reign from the temple mount, from the temple forever and ever and ever. I'm so looking forward to that. I know you are too. Let's all stand. In 157, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. You hear this morning, you've never accepted Jesus as your Messiah, as the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. Would you come this morning? We'll show you from the Bible how you can have your sins forgiven and have a home in heaven. If you're here this morning, you're a Christian, you've been saved, I just challenge you, are you sharing your faith with others? Philip couldn't wait to share his faith with somebody. And, and I think he was a little bit enthusiastic about it. When's the last time you shared your faith? And this, then thirdly, I'm thankful that God, Jesus saw him and Jesus sees you this morning. If you're going through something this morning and you're in, you think you're in solitude, like Nathaniel thought he was under that tree by himself, you are never alone. Amen. You are never alone. He's promised to never leave you nor forsake you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your love. And we thank you for um, knowing indeed that you are the Messiah. We do thank you for the word this morning. Help us, Lord, to be good witnesses. Help us to share our, God, our, our faith with others around us. And, uh, Lord, we thank you for the promise that you never leave us nor forsake us. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hymn 157, Jesus paid. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.